This episode of 990 Talk is brought to you by Michael Knopf with Draper and Kramer Mortgage Court for all your mortgage needs. If you could all do us a quick favor and just take out your phone and open a text message. Put the number in there as 773-234-7896. Again, please open your phone, take a text message, 773-234-7896, and just send him a quick message so he knows that we actually have listeners. Maybe the message should be something like, hey, Arians really sent me, dot, dot, dot. Hey. Hey, Mom, what's up? Really, what I really want to know is how supportive Malka is of this podcast venture. Believe it or not, you're going to be really excited about this. But uh, we are. Probably uh... not if you and I are calling me about something. Okay. <laughs> well, that went well. <laughs> I think she hung up. <laughs> you guys are so bored. Seriously. <laughs> are you going to listen to it? Well, I don't know. I so I don't always listen to things that really relate to my life. <laughs> wow, that that hurts. Oh, that that's great. Right in the gut. <clears throat> I mean, you guys have nothing better to do with your time. I figured it's about time you do something. Now you're obviously very bored because you have no idea if it was going to actually be happening. You guys just <laughs> We're calling it nine ninety talk. A lot of people out there think that those who can't make profit work in nonprofit, and that may or may not be true. You know, we're just like two dudes in, in a world that most people are focused on chasing every dollar. We kind of just want to show people that there's a niche for guys like us. In the meantime, we're out to at least talk about what it means to work in nonprofit. You know, just like changing the world is more important. So. Do me and you can do you, but I'm going to do what I love, do what I love. I'm going to do me and you can do you, but I'm going to do. And here we are, episode four, our 990 talk. Arians, really, wow. The last few days have been really just like a whirlwind. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I really don't want to toot our horns because there's really not much to toot our horns over. Um, but, like, I think in my mind when we were, had the idea for this, I thought maybe we get, like, a dozen or so listeners. All right, fine. Maybe that's, like, a little bit low. But I, 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 I never thought we would have what we have. And uh, it's been fun. It's really been, it's been a lot of fun. I think that's, if I was going to put it into kind of one concise thing, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we had fun recording. We had fun editing, sort of. And, um, and we definitely had, had, uh, had fun <laughs> kind of facing the music that we got from our, uh, our listeners. So, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel? I, I will say the one thing that changes, like, you know, it's just kind of us talking to each other when we're recording and like now that there's a concept of listeners, it makes it all a little bit different, but I think at the same time, like it, you know, it gives me a little bit of a juice to keep going. Yeah. It's funny. I guess like now the pressure is on the podcast is now on iTunes as well. So you should definitely download uh, on iTunes and subscribe five-star rating and uh, drop a review. Um, I was doing some research in the analytics of the listeners and I noticed that we have one listener in the United Kingdom. So if you could uh, identify yourself, I'm curious to know who you are. <laughs> Send us an email, 990talk at gmail.com or uh, Facebook, message us. I'm very curious about that. And I would say the other biggest surprise for me is that, um, so I mentioned in the first episode that um, I'm an accountant by trade and someone called me up for tax advice, which is a terrible idea because if I took the CPA today, I probably would not get one question right. So that's that. But uh, other than that, really... Um, 
this has been a lot of fun and uh, episode four. So, so let's do it. We got a really great episode coming at you with the, uh, we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll update our listeners a little bit on what we've been getting dealing with and where we want to go from here. Got a trash more coming and an awesome interview with, uh, with Hillel Fold. Is that how it's spelled with a U? I mean, it's not fold. It's fold. It's fold, but he has like a Z in there. Like sometimes, like on his Twitter account, I think it must be like a, it must be like a his middle initial or something. Either way, whatever. He's a really cool guy. He's kind of like a Jewish Tony Robbins, or at least that's how I picture him. I kind of feel like he's like a Jewish Elon Musk. I don't know. Yeah, I take that back. He's kind of out there. Yeah, he's a great guy. Firm handshake, good strong hug. He's he's really friendly. He's really awesome, and he's done uh, some huge things. And he's really just, he's really a good guy. So we're looking forward to that interview. A lot of cool stuff came out of there. And um, and then a couple uh, surprise segments at the end. Am I missing anything? No, that's really it. So we promised the listeners that if you send us feedback, this is on our WhatsApps, we would read the best comments. So um, a lot of them were centered around the pace of my voice, I found. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I'm not I'm not sure that's a surprise. Um overall, I think all <laughs> overall actually we had an issue because there weren't enough roasts. We really want what we want from you guys is to go on to the Apple podcast market, give us a five star rating, and then roast us. Um because that way everyone can see it. And we got a five star rating. And subscribe, by the way. So instead we were getting a lot of just random text messages here and there. I think everybody really got the idea of like what a roast is with humor with the exception of one person who went a little bit too hard. I think Danish took it a little bit over the line. But other than that, I think everything was just either really nice or just a good fun roast. So number one was a, was a good one. Some people really took issue to some of the things that we mentioned in particular. So one of them was gel pens are the worst. You mentioned gel pens are the worst. So I think you're going to have to answer that one. Um, well, it's just a bad take. That's all I'll say. It's a bad take. First of all, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a, like a gel pen gel pen. Like my kid at home is like, she has like in her in her like in her in her pencil box like actual gel pens. Oh yes, yeah. it's a pilot pen. It's not a gel pen. Yeah, clarify to the listeners out there. We're not talking about the rainbow gel pens that come with like two hundred and twenty four colors. It was just a regular black. Is that yeah? I guess that's a gel pen. All right. Next one was <clears throat> quote quite the flex by Srulli. To drop on all of us that he has Apple CarPlay. That is a ridiculous comment. It's 2020. Everyone has CarPlay. My even my last car, which was a 2017. I feel like I'm bragging again. Um, oh, it happened okay. to have. <laughs> Wait, just to be clear, someone is calling you out for a, a a flex, and you're flexing again. The point is that Apple CarPlay has been around at least since 2017. So, chillax. Okay, we got an interesting one here that was to me. Hey, listen to the pilot last night. Thought you did a great job. You mentioned that you felt like you were good at a ton of things as opposed to being good, as opposed to being great at a few. And that's something about being a camp guy. What is the reason for that? Because I also feel the same way. So shout out to Avi, who is also a camp guy. I don't really know how that works. I'm interested to know from other camp people out there if that's really a thing. But I don't know. I just, I, I guess it's a kind of a chicken or an egg question. What came first? Am I a camp guy because I'm sort of like this weird jack of all trades that can do a lot of little stupid things but can't do anything really well? By the way, talk about flexing. Well, 
I'm not sure that's a flex. Jack of all trades, master of none. I don't know if that's a good thing. You just spent 25 seconds talking about how good you are at stuff. No. All right. That's ridiculous. But that's a good, well, that's a good segue to the next one, which was, uh, quote, Ari, you were not a bad student. You were a very smart boy. Stop looking for sympathy from listeners. And that was my mom. <laughs> I think she's biased. Hi, Sue. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I think she just is embarrassed of the fact that I'm just airing out all my, my dirty laundry over a podcast. About I'll say this. Student. At least your mother listened to the podcast. Oh, okay. Mrs. Bugopolsky, wherever you are, please let us know that you've listened. Even though you probably won't hear that. Next feedback was, quote, Now I know why you spent so much money on microphones. Miraculously, Srilly was able to enunciate every word. Worth every penny. Look. <laughs> I guess this uh, the podcast has been a free speech therapy for me, so that's a that's a win. My sister's a speech therapist, and she doesn't give me free speech therapy, so good thing these microphones do. Uh, okay, that's not bad. Do we have any uh, any more? Yeah, uh, here's one. Hey, nine ninety. The only thing worse than reading a nonprofit form nine ninety is listening to a podcast about nine about nonprofits called nine ninety. Okay, that's not bad. No, that's a good one. Okay, that's creative. Respect to whoever wrote that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you do enjoy reading Form 990s, so you may not relate to that, but okay, I guess it... No, I respect it because the roaster has been listening and paying attention to the the content, so... Right. Good for him. Okay. Well, uh, here's another one. Short, fat, god elbows and an illiterate, failed teacher. Explore the world of being dedicated to a cause while having enough time during work hours to start a podcast and talk about civil service and devoting their lives to the community. That is what we're looking for, everyone. Yeah, that's about perfect. That is how you roast us. That one's just about perfect. Fat God Elbaz is pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been getting that a lot. Have you really? Yeah. I think uh, Someone has once uh, said that's my doppelganger, but then I lost some weight. But then I gained weight again. So So you're back on the God Elbaz. I guess train. I'm back on, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, everyone take notes. That is how you should roast us. And keep the roasts coming. Be sure to five-star rating, drop the review, roast. With that, we go on to today's Mount Trashmore. So, Ooh. You're, you're excited? Um, I mean, I, I did prepare for this one. So. Oh, okay. So then yeah. uh, now the pressure is really on. Not only do we have listeners, you actually prepared. So. Well, I think, it, I think once I realize that people listen to this, I, I should probably put some time into preparing. Okay, so today's Mount Trashmore is our office pet peeves. So Ari seems very excited, so we're actually going to let him go first. Now, again, do I have to do all four? Yes. Can I do three and then drop the fourth after you do your four all at once? I think you're at an advantage by going second. Fine, so let's go two and two. All right. Okay, two and two. So number one, I think people might relate to this, although every office is a little bit different. Uh, one of my pet peeves is people on phone calls that walk around the office, not their own immediate space, but like they're on a phone call, they get so into it and they start like pacing the hallway or the walkway. Like you, you, you've got workspace, just make your phone call there. And if it's personal, go somewhere else. That's just my, is that is that I, a thing? I'm probably guilty of that. Well, I know I'm guilty. Oh, are these things that we don't do ourselves? No, I'm not. Oh, because I do that. You're just saying it's probably annoying when other people do it. Yeah, of course. Okay, so. I mean, the office here gets kind of quiet sometimes, so I don't think that. This is us, this is us uh, I guess, uh, just, um, this is some therapy. We're just. Uh, it's always therapy. We're building here. on our self-awareness. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, uh, I think this goes back to our first, our first uh, trash more, but 
I'm still really bothered and I have a huge, I guess it's a, it's a big pet peeve of mine is this printer situation with the cover page that keeps coming out when you print something. It's a lot of wasted paper and it bothers me a lot. I think in general printers in offices though are a huge pet peeve of mine. For some reason, I feel like they're never really working. Not only are they not working, but I feel like the tech companies that are supposed to repair them never do a good job. That could be. I mean, I just feel like there's so many good, awkward stories about like communal office printers. Like you accidentally take someone else's document, you know, someone sends something to the wrong printer. Like I feel like that stuff happens all the time. So printers are definitely a pet peeve of mine in an office. We're going to call that what? Like printer culture? Is that printer culture? I don't know. I just made that up. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to go now. My my first one is um, when the secretary is not in the office and then like it becomes the responsibility of everyone else to answer the phone. Um, I could probably count on one hand the amount of time I've answered the office phone. I never answer the office phone. So you just wait for someone else to do it? Yep, basically. What? Okay. I mean, are you afraid to answer the phone? Like what's... Well, here's my, uh, here's my rationale. Um, it's usually not donors calling me back to give money. So they probably don't, are not looking for me anyway. What donors never call the no, office? Calling my cell phone. No, I know the answer to that question. The answer is no, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Donors don't call offices. Yeah. So can you imagine the day that your phone rang and someone's like, hi, my name is Jack Smith and I would like to donate a lot of money to your camp. The only time people call back is when, um, I guess I cold called someone and I left very vague information and then they call back and like, I don't even want to pick up cause like, I'm so nervous. I don't even know what to say. And as soon as they know you're a fundraiser, they're basically going to hang up on they're you. They're like, Oh no, that doesn't really happen. But again, I just stay away from the office phone. Um, I guess I just need an outgoing line. I don't okay. Need, so that's that's noted. Okay, that's okay. number one. Number I just want to go back and say that I think we have gotten phone calls of anonymous random donations to come through the phone. So now that you're back in the gila, I suggest you start answering the phone. Okay, thanks, buddy. All right, next. Is that a command? I, no. Do I command you things? I don't command things. I'm just saying it was very Answer aggressive. It. Okay, next. anyway. Um, number two for me is company firewall. <laughs> I'm going to watch YouTube when I'm bored. I'm sorry. And if it's the sports season, I want to watch sports. Is I that mean, absurd? What, what do you like? Watch like t- top 10 videos? No, like Thursday afternoon. I want to watch golf. Oh, all right. I'm okay. Are you guilty also? No, not on. No, no, not really. Not in the office. I'm well guilty. then, okay. Then bonus one. So my two way will be Wi-Fi. Cause if there's a firewall, I need to use my phone. And if there's bad Wi-Fi, then I can't watch on my phone. Right, because God knows you can't use that much on, on your cell minutes. Well, I think we've passed that. This is like 2020. You could, I'm pretty sure everyone has unlimited data right now. Uh, depends. Actually, shout out to 501c3s out there. A lot of them are on government phone plans. And government phone plans, a lot of the phone plans do not have unlimited data. Just saying. Thanks, government. Yeah. Anyone want more information on that about getting on government phone plans? Feel free to drop a line. I'd love to coach you through that. Okay, so that's your one and two. Let's go to my three, four. Um, number three, this Mount Trashmore of office pet peeves, is smelly snacks. It's really just smelly food in general. I, I, I'm okay with tuna on Passover. I'm not crazy about tuna in the office. You know what I mean? You're saying, like, this is in general, like, don't microwave your food if it smells bad. Well, all right. Like, yeah, so, like, if you if you happen, like, you had salmon for dinner the night before, and I'm sure it was delicious, your teriyaki salmon last night, don't bring leftovers into the office and then put that in the microwave for two minutes because then the microwave will smell like fish for, I have forever. No idea, forever. forever. 
And the office just whatever, you know, we don't all need, you know, I've actually brought salmon to the office and I would have loved to heat it up, but I didn't. I just ate it cold because I didn't want to subject everyone else to that. Also, you can totally eat salmon cold. So there's really no excuse. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking salmon, so that's smelly snacks. My number four is a, is really a, I didn't ask for permission to do this by the way before. So it's really a non trash more trash more thing. It's something I've heard that there apparently are offices out there that have policies about this and have, uh, have many, many debates had about this, but many offices use Keurig coffee makers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's a theory out there. And the theory is, is that taking the used K cup out of a Keurig chamber is like putting down the toilet seat after you've used it. So that was very backwards. What you mean to say is that not taking out the Keurig cup is like leaving up the toilet seat. Yeah, let's scratch that, reverse it. Not taking out the K-cup after it's been used is like leaving up the toilet seat. Now, I want to take a minute here to explain that I disagree. I would also completely disagree. That's and a terrible I'm, take. And I'm a cereal K-cup lever, if that's even a thing. In other words, I, I will make myself a cup of coffee. I'm not taking it out because at the end of the day, you're going to have to open the chamber anyways. How about this? I'll raise you one. What about refilling the water in the Keurig? Oh, that's uh, that actually... That actually is a pet peeve of mine. Thanks for helping me out with my number four. Because the K-cup thing is not a pet peeve of mine. I do not mind opening the chamber, seeing a used cup there, and yanking it out. Because what's the difference? I yank one out, and then I put a new one in, or I go put a new one in and take out mine. Either way, it's the same amount of work. So to anyone out there who thinks that's a pet peeve, uh, I, I challenge you. I don't believe it's a pet peeve. Change my mind. However, showing up to a Keurig... And putting your coffee cup there and also like the Keurig machine firing up and starting to heat up the water and you think you're good to go and you like come back. You're like, what, what's wrong with that coffee? You're like, and the light that says add water is on. That's a massive, massive pet peeve. Good rule in camp. You kill it, you fill it. Should be the same thing with Keurig machines. Okay. I can respect that. But definitely leave the pod in. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see any reason to take out the pod. That's what they're called, right? The pod. K yeah. No, yeah, no, 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 no. K-Cups. K-Cops. Are you sure? Yeah. Pod Pod is short for podcast. Or Tide Pod. Don't or eat that. Tide Pod. Anyway. Um, okay. My three and four. My my third one is people who walk around the office without shoes. What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, to be clear, you mean like not like a camp office, right? Just. Do you do, you do that? Um. No. Well, uh, I mean. Okay. I'm talking about like in a corporate setting. Like, why are you yeah. walking around without shoes? I get it. There's carpet. Very nice. I don't think... I, I'm not sure. Are there a lot of people that do that? I don't know. It happens. Why does it bother you exactly? It's just weird and just... It's a little bit too... too, too just don't be so relaxed. Okay, cool. I keep slippers under my desk. Oh, that's okay. Okay. I mean, that's not considered barefoot, you're saying? No. Of course not. Okay. I fine. respect that even. All right, yeah. Especially like around in Chicago with the like nasty gray slush. After the snow falls and it doesn't go away for weeks at a time, it just oh, becomes yeah, gray. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, I don't want to. We don't, I don't want to track that through my office. Yeah, yeah. For I sure. come in, I kick off my boots, and I put on my slippers. Yeah, I'm talking about people that walk around just like in socks around the office. No, yeah, okay. okay. And number four for me, a huge pet peeve, is people who come late to meetings. Oh, I'm, I'm interesting. I feel like you're looking at me when you say that. No, I'm not. I'm just looking past you. Oh. There's an article that was like written in the Wall Street Journal, like I saw a year and a half ago, that like four people sent to me. That if you show up late for meetings, you're like have a higher intelligence or something. Have you 
Are you familiar with that? I don't know, but I'll say this. In the amount of time that I spent waiting for Ari Strulo at Emma's Bagel Cafe, I could probably write a book. Is that a plug for Emma's? No. Not an ad read. Okay. We're, uh, should we cut that out? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Michael Knopf probably is not listening now anyway, so we can leave it in. I'll make, I'll make them a deal. If they never, ever ask me again if I'm taking the bagel, then we won't cut it out. All right, that's fair. I got to a place when they see me, they just know I'm not taking the bagel. Although, by the way, I love Emma's bagels. I love the bagels and I love the restaurant. Just stop asking me if I want the bagel. All right, that's fair. Or at least like when I say no, like don't be so like aggressive about it. Okay, I think that's fair. Okay. I mean, I don't think they're listening, but I think that's fair. This may get back to them. Uh, We'll see what happens. You know, the problem is they don't know me. They only know you. (laughs) (laughs) And here we go. And that is Mount Trashmore. All right, way to go. Mount Trashmore. We now welcome to the show internationally renowned tech entrepreneur from the Holy Land, Hillel Fold. Queens, New York native. So we have to break the ice with the first question, which is Shimon's or Benji's? Benji's, Pshito, what kind of question is that? I, that's, <laughs> it's like, that's like, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like ending this interview right now. I mean, if I want, if I want falafel, I'll go to Shimon's. Why would I go to Shimon's for pizza? Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? I think, depe- I think it depends on how old you are. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, I guess, you know, if, we're, if we want to start this interview in the most awkward way, you could just ask him my age. No, no. I was just saying, <laughs> I wasn't going that way. I was trying to, I was, I was really, um, I, was, I meant that in a derogatory way towards myself. Because when I was in high school about 15 years ago, Friday afternoon, Shimon's was where it was at. But the pizza probably was not better. And for sure, as I got older, when I got married and I was living on the other side of, the, of Main Street by Benji's, that was it. We never went into Shimon's again. So you're right. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, Benji's Pizza is, uh, yeah, there's no question. Your Facebook page has a zillion things, which are, are awesome. You're strategic advisor for like a dozen different things, contributor to a dozen other different things. Tech definitely seems to be a focus of yours. And how did you, were you always into tech specifically, or did you kind of stumble into that? So I remember uh, as a teenager, late teens, I'm in camp. Uh, I think I was a counselor. I'm not sure. I want to say I was a counselor. It was the summer of uh, Hask. And at the end of the summer, um, you know, all the counselors were sharing their emails. And I remember thinking to myself, what the heck is email? Um, I literally didn't. I mean, you know, it's funny, but I feel this like makes me feel older than anything else to realize that like I literally remember when email was like this science fiction fiction thing. But uh, the the reality is that I, I was a late start uh, with tech, and I remember where I was when I pressed the power button on my first computer. It was very late, but once I did, it was game over. I was like completely like blown away by technology, um, and so yeah, my, my first job out of college and my degree is is not even anything to do with tech at all. I have a degree in political science, but my first tech out of college was a technical writer. So I was the guy who wrote the user guides that you get with your iPhone that no one reads. I was working at a tech company then called Converse, then M, not the sneakers. And uh, I was documenting um, SMS systems for like Verizon and T-Mobile. And it doesn't get much more boring than that. Can you sneak like random stuff in the manuals if no one reads them anyway? It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, and, you know, what, I, what, what hit me is that despite the fact that I'm sitting here writing from the file menu, click open, which could not be more boring, I, I found it exciting because I'm writing about tech. And I realized 
wow, my, my passion for tech is actually deeper than I realized. And so I, um, I'm sitting at my desk one day at this job and I'm like, I need to be doing something else with this tech, with this passion. And so I started, you know, I, I opened the internet and I just started writing what I consider to be a tech diary. Today, we call that a blog. Uh, at the time, that was not a word. And so I, you know, there was no business model. I just had thoughts on tech. I started to write them. People thought I was very strange. People didn't understand why I was doing that. And to be honest with you, neither did I. But long story short, one thing led to another. And that blog basically gave birth to an entire career because entrepreneurs would reach out and, you know, they'd say, I read your article on trends and technology. I'd love to meet you. And I'd meet them and I'd, I'd ask them to pitch me on their idea and on their product. And they'd pitch me like an engineer. Uh, you know, we've developed an algorithm that, and I'm like, listen, dude, that's not, nobody cares about your algorithm. What do you do? And, and I realized these, these guys couldn't communicate. So I helped them with their communication. And then I'd say to them, you know, who are your competitors? And they'd say, we have none. And I'd say, listen, you need to do some market research because so-and-so are a direct competitor and you need to know them. And then I'd say to them, you know, what's your go-to-market, right? You have this technology, you have this, this you know, very saturated landscape of competitors. How are you going to get it in the hands of consumers? And I got the most absurd, ridiculous answers from these entrepreneurs. So I started to help. And in the beginning, it was no, it was not a business because again, I'd never done anything in my life to warrant asking for money for advice. So I just, I would have lunch with these entrepreneurs and help. But one thing led to another, as I said, and surely what ended up happening is I, I, I don't know of another person that has duplicated this model because it's a very unique one. And that is that these companies came back to me sometimes 10 years later and said to me, listen, man, I know what you did for us early on. At, then, at the time, we weren't worth anything. Today, we're worth billions of dollars. We want you to join us as an advisor. So take some equity in the company or take a monthly retainer and work with us on uh, you know, anything to do with growth of the company from social media to content to biz dev to fundraising, uh, PR, et cetera. And so I have this portfolio of companies that I'm advising. Um, and basically, I'm a kid in a candy store every day. I'm having the best time in my life. I've noticed that you speak to a lot. The, you know, you speak to the concept a lot about research and market research and understanding competition like you just brought up. Is there if you were able to zero that question into sort of one question, what is it you think that organizations or ideas you know, should be measured by? So specifically with that, that element of you know, growing a company, I think what's, what's the, big, the biggest misconception that I hear often uh, when I ask entrepreneurs who their competitors are, nine out of ten times they'll say we have none. And, and they're not idiots for saying that. They're just misunderstanding the definition of what a competitor is. So most entrepreneurs think a competitor is another company doing the same thing as us. And that's fundamentally not the case. A competitor is who else is going after your target audience with the same value proposition or the same pitch as you. So for example, if you're building a product that let's just call it an SDK for mobile, let's call it product A. The name of your product is product A. And you're going to CNN. You're saying, hey, CNN, I have this product. It's called product A. If you use it, your readers will stay on the page longer. You'll get more traffic. You'll get more revenue. It's called product A. Now, the next day comes along some other dude with another product that has nothing to do with yours. It's called product B. It's yours is an SDK. Theirs is a JavaScript. Completely different products. And they come to CNN and say, hey, CNN, use our JavaScript and your readers will stay on the page longer. Direct competitors, even though totally zero in common in terms of product or technology, but we have the same target audience. We're promising the same thing. And we're competing not on product, but on attention, on market share. Both of us want CNN's attention. CNN is not going to use both of us. They need to decide between the two of us. And so we are direct competitors. And so I say to entrepreneurs all the time, build yourself a landscape of 50 to 100 companies that are in your space, not who's doing the same thing as you. Who is trying to solve the same problem as you? Who is targeting the same target audience as you? 
who is promising the same thing as you? Once you have that landscape of 100 companies, then you can start. That's just a, literally just a diving board. Then you can start deciding whether to develop your idea or not. You know how many people reach out to me on a daily basis and say, oh, I mean, I, I'm not going to mention names. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see who it was. I, I love the guy, so I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But I had a phone call yesterday with, a, a, I would say, somewhat of a celebrity. Um, and he said to me, I have the greatest idea in the world. And he, he pitched me on a, an, on, on genuinely a great idea. Problem was he, didn't, he had done no market research, and this idea had been done a thousand times already. So, you know, I had people pitch me on ideas that were literally WhatsApp. And I said to them, I mean, this was years ago, not today, but I said to them, you just pitched me WhatsApp. And he said, what's WhatsApp? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you didn't do any research at all? So that's a big, big, big step. And I feel like, you know, if, if the chances of success or the chances of failure, I should say, of entrepreneurship in general are 95%, if you do no market research, your chances of failure are probably closer to 99%. So based on that, so if someone's coming to pitch something to you, an idea or a company, et cetera, what's like the one thing that they could say to you that is the ultimate like green light, like this guy's got it? I mean, a good sign of maturity for an entrepreneur is I'm building this thing. A hundred other companies have tried to do it before. This is why they failed. And this is why I will succeed. Here's one for you. So can you think of like one idea that was brought to you that you thought would for sure flop, but ended up being huge and what you might have learned from that? Oh boy, there are so many. Are you kidding me? There are so many. I mean, I got, I got. Uh, this is maybe the first time I'm talking about this on air because I'm not. Yeah, whatever. It's it's a long time ago. But I had a, I had, I had an executive at Waze offer me a job uh, many, many years ago. I had an executive at Onavo, which was acquired by Facebook for hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars, offer me a job. I said no to both of them, um, not because I thought they were bad ideas, just because they, I didn't, I didn't connect. It didn't resonate with me. I wasn't excited by them. Um, obviously both mistakes. Um, you know, I've had, I've had many, many entrepreneurs reach out to me over the years that I didn't think would, you know, in fact, well, I guess this is, it's interesting. Uh, th this is something, you know, I would have said maybe six months ago, but uh, I guess today I, turns out I was right in retrospect. But, uh, I, I, when I heard about WeWork, I remember re reaching out to a good friend of mine who's an investor in WeWork. And I, and I said to him, I don't, I don't even understand why you're invested in this company. This is just a glorified real estate company. And he said, you know, why don't you go become a member of WeWork and then you'll understand why it's not. And obviously the company grew to multi, multi, tens of billions of dollars of valuation. But I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> that that changed quickly. But uh, that's a different that's a topic for another time. I'm not exactly sure I agree with what would happen with WeWork. I have a little bit of an unpopular opinion. I think, uh, I think it's unjustified, but that's, again, a topic for another time. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I, I know that WeWork, I guess, you know, they were in some trouble, I guess, if you will, in the last uh, few months. I shouldn't say trouble, but... You know, things aren't going as well as they once were. So, right. So, um, I'm I'm actually wearing a WeWork T-shirt as we speak. It's funny. I'm talking about all my swag. I was wearing wearing Jordans and a WeWork T-shirt. Um, but um, yeah. So, uh, without getting too much into it, because it is it is a sensitive uh, topic. Basically, um, I'll tell you the way most people perceive it, and then I'll tell you how I perceive it. Most people perceive it that WeWork was the the face of the bubble. That we're talking about just a glorified real estate company that was just, you know, buying or yeah, buying properties um, based on the assumption that they would make that money back from you know rentals from companies renting space, and it was just a, a business model that had no feasibility, sustainability, long term, um, and it was just you know a bubble that was just waiting to burst in terms of valuation. There's no reason it should be valued at um, whatever it was, forty billion dollars. Um, and that Adam Newman is a highly irresponsible CEO who made tons of strategic mistakes. 
and that there was no justification for for a company that that has no technology and and is just you know buying buying offices to be valued at that 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 much money. That's kind of the general consensus on WeWork. Uh, I I think that's completely wrong. If I'm just being very straightforward, I think that they they you know I often say the people or the investors that missed out on investing in Uber or Airbnb didn't just miss out on an opportunity, they missed out on a market, right? These companies created a market. And the market of co-working spaces that we were created is, is a market, right? And were there problems in, in the business model of WeWork? Absolutely. Were there problems in the way Adam Newman managed the company? Absolutely. I don't think anyone would deny that. But at the end of the day, this is a company that was growing you know, faster than any real estate company in the world, one. Two, this is a company that had technology at its core, and there's no way any company can scale that fast without technology. And as far as whether they're a tech company or a real estate company, they're no different than any other tech company like Uber or Airbnb. Is Uber a transportation company? No, they're a tech company using technology to disrupt transportation. And Facebook is using technology to disrupt communication. And Airbnb is using technology to disrupt hospitality, etc. And so I think WeWork is using technology to disrupt co-working spaces and, and just in general, the you know um, like office space. So I, I think that uh, it was a press lynch. I think there was a lot of hate from the Wall Street Journal and other, other publications. Again, not to belittle the problems. There were problems. There are problems with their business model. But we're talking about the world's most sophisticated tech investors who backed this company. And so either we're all so smart and they're all so dumb, or maybe we didn't understand something that they did. And I will just add on a personal note that having met Adam Newman, he is by far like not even like I don't even know who's second place. The most impressive CEO I've ever met in my life. So you live in Israel, uh, the startup nation. Why? What? What is it that, about Israel that you think is the the perfect place for startups? Well, um, I guess I'll I'll be you know they say when you when you do panels or when you do uh, public speaking rule number one is create controversy so i'm going to create a little controversy and say that the, that that term startup nations a little bit uh last year maybe five years ago it's a little bit passe and, and outdated because a start a startup is you know i have an idea and i create a venture and then i eventually sell it you know to google or to facebook i flip it right whereas uh, a startup eventually graduates or eventually becomes either a self-sustaining profitable business or an ipo as it goes public um, and so, yes, it used to be that Israel was a startup nation and we would build startups and we'd sell them. There's so many examples of, you know, obviously Waze and Mobile and many other companies that sold before they reached full maturity. Um, but today, when I speak to entrepreneurs and to investors in Israel, nobody's really interested in building startups anymore. People are, are, are much more interested in building large, sustainable businesses. And so I do think the, the term startup nation is actually, I'm not going to say damaging, but it's a little, um, I don't know, I'm not sure how accurate it is today in the current Israeli tech ecosystem. That's number one. Number two, in terms of what makes Israel such a leader in innovation, there's obviously books written on the topic, including the book Startup Nation. But um, there's not one, I, I don't think there's one component. There's, there are many components, but you know, the, the culture, Israeli culture is definitely part of it. Um, there's the military that you know, trains. Um, you know, when you're 18 years old in, in the States, you're partying. When you're 18 years old in Israel, you're learning accountability, you're learning responsibility, and you're, you know, partaking in one of the most innovative armies in the world. 8,200, the intelligence unit in the, in the Israeli army is, you know, where 90%, I'm, I'm just throwing it a number, many, many, many entrepreneurs come from. Um, there's also the government support, whether it's the Innovation Authority or other things that support entrepreneurship in Israel. There is the definite Israeli culture of, 
you know, you put on your blinker on the road, I'm going to speed up because I'm not letting anyone into my lane uh, kind of thing. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that help uh, push the innovation and entrepreneurship forward. But I think if you ask me the biggest one, I think it's at the end of the day, our history as, as a people is that we always were in survivor mode. We had to fight to survive. And so that, that energy that we, we, we used historically to survive now that we're home and we can defend ourselves, we are repurposing that energy to change the world. So that's to me, I think, you know, the, the main driving force behind all the Israeli innovation. As someone who really has their ear on the ground in this space, is there like a, like a very cool or innovative company that has a product that we don't, or that the average person does not yet know about that's going to be, you know, that we're, let's say, 12 months away, that's going to really change the landscape? Uh, wow. That's, I mean, there are many, many, many. I've seen, I don't know, so many of them. I'm trying to leave out my own company, companies, but, um, you know, I, I just... You don't, you don't I, have I, to. I can, you can tell us. I mean, unless you can't, but... No, I'm, I'm happy. Like, there's literally, I could probably name 100 companies right now that are doing incredible things. I mean, there's just, off the top of my head, there's a company that comes to mind that, um, called Edgy Bees. Um, that's doing software for drones. So just one application of it is if you think about firefighters, if there's a, um, if there's a tall building and there's a fire in a, in a, in a high in a floor high up in the building, how are they really accessing that fire? Or at least before they go in, how are they accessing the fire remotely to be able to see what's even going on? Uh, well, we have drones for that. Uh, so these guys have developed incredible software using AR augmented reality and they, work with, you know, fire departments around the world. Um, so they're an amazing company, edubees.com. Um, I'm not affiliated with them, but, uh, you know, companies that I have and continue to work with that are incredible, uh, you know, one company is Dustmit that has developed really cutting-edge technology to make a room, basically, military-grade uh, the, the air, military-grade pure. So it, it purifies a room, basically. Obviously, now in the, in the days of COVID-19, you put, you know, you take dust mint, you put it in a room and it, and it basically kills the virus throughout the room, which is uh, where m most of the people in the world are getting infected from, from objects, from things in rooms. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, one thing I'm, I'm right. I write a weekly column in the Jerusalem Post about impact companies, companies in Israel that are having an impact on the world. I'm writing this week about a company that's developing a vaccine. Um, you know, there's that. And then there's on, on the, more on the financial, I guess, uh, business side companies, like Intelligo that, that, that are looking at the world of background checks. Everyone needs background checks, right? If you're hiring someone, if you're investing in someone, if you want to let someone into the country, everyone needs background checks. And background checks are not um, modern at all. They, they haven't been disrupted. They're basically, you go to some agency, you tell them you want to do a background check on someone, they send you a 300-page PDF on that person. And if that person goes and, like, I don't know what, murders someone the next day, you won't even know because they did the background check yesterday, which is ridiculous. Um, and so these guys use artificial intelligence uh, to do ongoing monitoring for background checks and give you a web interface. Uh, you know, I'm just throwing names at you. I mean, there's so many. But the point is, uh, you look at the Israeli ecosystem, no matter how you want to analyze it, whether you want to look at how much capital is flowing in, where that capital is coming from, how innovative the companies are, you know, how many unicorns, billion-dollar companies there are in Israel, or the multinationals like Facebook and Google and Apple and Microsoft that are that have set up shop here in Israel. And the, the punchline being these companies that I mentioned before, the impact companies, the companies that are curing cancer, the companies that are treating ALS, that are bringing water to Africa, they're doing these really impactful things. That to me is like the uh, the crown and the jewel. And, and the reason that I believe Israel is not just like this 
you know, small little fun startup nation, but really a company that's leading all sectors of technology globally. So with, with the means of communication that are out there now, especially with social media, a lot of organizations, companies, non-for-profits are, are kind of always taking a, a good hard look, or at least they're trying to take a good hard look at the way they tell stories. They tell their story, the way they you know, share their, their impact or their message or their mission. What would you say, you know, in a nutshell, would be your philosophy on storytelling? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I don't think you need to be too creative here. I mean, there's there's enough brand there are enough brands out there that we could just look at and understand what works. In other words, you know, I always talk about Red Bull, right? Redbull.com is missing one very interesting word that simply does not appear on their website, and, and it's 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 a head scratcher. The word beverage, drink does not appear on redbull.com, which is strange, right? You'd think, well, they're selling a drink. Why are they not talking about their drink? And the answer is because they're not a beverage company. They're a content company. They're a lifestyle company. They own energy. And so they do content that people care about. And, and I think that that's really what it's about. I, I tell companies all the time, no one wants to read your blog on which you talk about yourself. That's just not interesting. Self-promotion, it's not interesting. Get people's heart pounding. Get people to care. Get people to feel something, right? You get someone to cry, you win. And so storytelling to me, um, it's, it's really just about uh, speaking a language that gets people uh, feeling something. And obviously, again, you look at all the brands, that's what they're doing. And, and you know, that's, that's why Super Bowl ads are so, you know, so effective because you watch them, they're tear, you know, tear jerkers, right? At the end of the day, the companies that you remember are the companies that made you feel something. So, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you're an enterprise company, a cybersecurity company. It doesn't matter what vertical of technology you operate in. There, there is a way to tell a story that will get people to feel something about your product. And, and literally, I've worked with some companies that I promise you, if I told you what they did, you'd fall asleep. Their product is as boring as it gets. But we made their pitch into something interesting that can make people, I don't know about cry, but make people feel something and, and make people have sentiment towards the company. If one is to scroll through your various uh, social media accounts, uh, they would notice that you have bumped into or spent time with uh, a variety of uh, influential and famous people. Um, when was the last time you were actually starstruck? Honestly, it happens to me almost on a daily basis. To be honest, like I started to do these, um, I started to do these Facebook interviews during Corona because we're all at home, so I do these side by side interviews, and I reached out to some really, really incredible people to see if they'd be willing to do an interview, um, and. So far, I, I, I'm happy to say no one has said no. Uh, so today, for example, at uh, 5 p.m. Israel, I'm interviewing Yael Wistner-Levy, who is the head of communication at Lemonade.com, which is probably Israel's most exciting brand in the startup world. They're basically doing what Facebook did or what Uber did to transportation. These guys are doing to insurance, and they're just an amazing, amazing company on all fronts, and she leads their communication. Tomorrow, I'm interviewing Oren Zev. Oren Zev is probably the world's top tech investor. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. He is Israeli originally. He has a, a one-man show, Zev Ventures, and he deploys you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. He has companies worth billions. He's the most humble and modest guy you've ever met in your life. Uh, I don't even know what I did to warrant a friendship, but you know, I asked him to, to let me interview him, and he said yes, and I'm interviewing tomorrow. 100% going to be starstruck. There's no, there's no question about it. On Wednesday, I'm interviewing Raz Bakar, who leads startups at Microsoft. Um, Thursday, I'm meeting, I'm interviewing Ayal Gura, who has, is the CEO of a company called Zebra Medical, which is just doing wild things in the medical space. 
I mean, these, these entrepreneurs and these investors are changing the world. So the answer is I'm, I'm starstruck pretty freaking often. Uh, but if you're talking about like full-blown celebrity, celebrity starstruck, um, you know, I mean, there's been some some stories over the years that I, I don't even believe it, it kind of my own, like I pinched myself to even think that these things happen, like spending the morning in a hotel lobby in Tel Aviv with Steve Wozniak, the founder of Apple, and uh, having to rush into a bomb shelter because it was an incoming rocket from Gaza. That was a pretty surreal morning. Um, you know, DMing, direct messaging back and forth, like we're friends with Alyssa Milano, who, uh, speaking of how old I am, I grew up on Who's the Boss? And I, I think most most of people in my kind of age group would, would agree that she was our first crush. And now we're just buddies. Like, we're just like DMing. We're, we're just friends. You know, Ellen DeGeneres follows me on Twitter. It's just like, it's, it's a, you know, I'm, not, I'm saying this not to show off, but to kind of bring home the point that like these tools, these 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 platforms facilitate things that would otherwise be literally impossible to imagine. On what planet? Does a guy who lives in Beit Shemesh, Israel, communicate with Ellen DeGeneres? Like, how does that even happen? And those are just a couple of examples. The people that follow me and the people that I communicate with on a pretty regular basis are just absurd. So, you know, I am I am starstruck pretty often, and 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 more so, I'll tell you that like I don't. None of this makes any sense. My career, like, I'm kind of waiting for everyone else to, to like wake up and be like, who is this little fold guy, and what did he ever do to deserve any of this? And then I'll stop. You know, till then I'll just play along, kind of thing. That's my mentality. That's my. Uh, that's what I do also, <laughs> on a much smaller <laughs> scale. Yeah, it's all you know. It's the imposter syndrome, right? I, like you guys know, I've never done anything in my life. I'm just some random dude who loved tech and started writing about it. But all right, whatever. Well, there's something really cool about your story. You 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 found something that you loved and you went after it, and the success is obviously there, and your influence is huge, and we really appreciate that. Well, Hill, listen, we don't want to take up the rest of your day. We really appreciate the time. This was very eye-opening. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. For me, what is all is like the biggest takeaway is the fact that he's right. You can connect with anyone in the world because of the power of social media. I remember once I was talking to um, another fundraiser who's a lot more old school, and he was telling me how like when he first got into the industry, you could just like walk into you could go downtown Chicago, you walk into a you know you walk into you walk into Sears Tower, you knock on a guy's office, you, either you see him or you don't. That's just how it went. But nowadays, you, you go downtown. You can't get even in, past the lobby without an appointment or without, you know, some sort of connection. It doesn't work like that anymore. So, he, you know, he said to me once, he's like, I don't get how you do it. And the answer is that you can harness the power of the web. Everyone is accessible. Everyone's there. And that, you know, and he, he's right. I will say, like, is there any hope for people like me that have trouble, like, waking up? I was going to say, what time, did you, what time did you get up today? No, okay, like, his corona schedule is, is very different than mine. First of all, we should have asked him what time he goes to bed. That would have yeah, been a much better true, question, because yeah. I feel like people that get up at 4 in the morning are, like, are in bed at 10 o'clock. It could be. It could be. But he he's just, like, one of those guys that's just operating in a 10 all day. And power to him. He's an awesome guy. I do love some of the words he chooses to explain some of his thoughts. I love the idea of he describes successful and impactful companies and ideas as disruptive. Like they, you know, Uber has disrupted the transportation market. I think that's such a cool way of looking at, you know, innovation is that innovation is not about, it's not about finding something new just for the sake of finding something new, you know, in order to have an impact, it's disruptive. It disrupts how we perceive reality or how we perceive what's going on in any current market. I think that's such a cool way of looking at it. Okay, the next segment is called Ask the Expert. 
We're going to call some people who are experts in different fields, and we're just going to ask them some questions and see how it goes. Hello? Ari. No. No. No? Hey, Yoch. What's up, Yochananan? Throwback Thursday. What's going on? Nothing. You're on, you're on 990 Talk right now. Yeah, true. Like always. <laughs> we have a very important question for you, Yoch. Okay, so here's how it goes. So the segment's called Ask the Expert, of which you are the expert of everything. And here's our dilemma. As you well know, okay. we are currently occupying an office, of uh, which we, believe it or not, don't pay rent. It's a weird arrangement we have with the current owner. Little secret, the building's about to be bought by a new owner. Question is, how do we keep not paying rent? Okay, uh, if there was know. like if there was some sort of gift or something we could give to the future owner, like what what would you suggest we do? Like how do we appeal to their emotional side? That's an excellent question. And you're the expert. I have, I have a very unique skill. I have a very unique skill. I present myself so dysfunctional, so idiotic that no one even wants to charge me money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, so, so okay, uh, okay. I think I I think I understand. So you're saying, let's just like... <laughs> so when he comes in and says, okay, um, here's the rent agreement, we just spaz? <laughs> no, you say, what's that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know how to write a check. Right, I'll be like, I don't know how to write check. I only know how to cast checks. <laughs> well, so far, that's what I've been using because all my people have been asking me for money. It works perfectly fine for me. One of my 90 bosses is calling me. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it. You should take that call. Yeah, but we really appreciate your expert advice, and um, we'll definitely be giving you calls in the future. Thank you so much, Yochananan. Have a great day, Yochananan. <laughs> and that was Ask the Expert. That was Ask the Expert. That's not bad. That was pretty good advice. Well, that was today's pod, everyone. Thanks for joining us, episode four. Um, make sure you go on the iTunes app, five-star rating, roast us, leave a comment, and um, that's it. That's a wrap. Homies looking out for me, they the ones who family, I've been on that melody, it's obvious this ain't do me, and you can do you, but I'm gonna do what I love, do what I love, I'ma do